Welcome to Voices from the Dales with me, Andrew Fagg. This is a podcast published by the Dales Countryside Museum in Hawes. The waters of Dewley Beck, gathered from Doddfell, Tenend and Weatherfell. In a short distance, these droplets will scatter, plunging white over Earsgill Foss, a waterfall in a wooded glen. They'll resume a soft gurgle to the village of Gale. By then, the river will be called Gale Beck. The beck flows through the village like the blood through veins, the late Reverend James Alderson wrote. In this, the second episode of this second series, on dialect, he is our chief character. On this page is the, the old numerals. Yan, tian, tether, a mether, a pimp. Sether, a leather, a hover, a pover, a dick. Yan, a dick, ten, a dick, tether, a dick, mother, a dick, bum, fit. Yan, a bum, fit, ten, a bum, fit, tether, a bum, fit, mother, a fit. Giggled. Now that's one to twenty. <laughs> <laughs> and our other character is his aunt, Lizzie Alderson. I wish you Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year. Please, will you give me a New Year gift? Some gave us a penny, some a halfpenny, some gave us an orange, some would give us an apple, some would give us a few biscuits. Both will be remembered for us by my special guests, Val and Rob Ward. It was all right, was Jason. He, he used to make a lot of little wooden toys and have them in, to, in a building at Bucket House. And he was very interested in local history and mm. things that were going on. Um, it could have a strange, moody temper. <laughs> That's all I'm Clear getting, up. she says. <laughs> Clear up. I've come down back to the village of Gale, which, together with the next-door small market town of Hawes, holds a thousand souls or so. My feet are on a tarmac road, and before me is a waist-high stone wall bounding the beck. It's been dry and icy cold for a week or so, so the floor's moderate and much is frozen up, frozen. This part of the village is called Beckstians, or Beckstones. Now if I turn round, away from the beck, I see a terraced cottage. It was here that James Alderson was born on the 23rd of May 1909, his mother worked at home, no water, no electricity. His father was a stone dresser at Bertisek Quarry, two miles away. Next door was the village shop. Today, it's a holiday cottage. As a boy and a young man, James Alderson did odd jobs for farmers and became a joiner. Aged 22, having found faith in the chapel, he left the village to enter the peripatetic Methodist ministry. But every year he would visit. After 43 years, he retired and returned to live here in his home village in 1974. He threw himself into researching and writing a parish study as well as dialect verse. Why did he do it? What was his purpose? I'm trying to produce a little bit of verse about the bits of life that's disappeared. So we're trying to freeze the past a bit. <clears throat> This is part of an hour-long recording of Rev James made by a man he called his brother friend, Trevor Sharp, from Bradford. It was a recording of a lecture given at the Grassington Festival in 1981, or perhaps 82, over in Wharfdale. 
what Rev James saw upon retiring to Gale was that the world he had known was almost gone. When he was growing up here in the 1920s, a lad from the valley to the north, only a dozen miles away, sounded like a foreigner. Now I'll tell you a strange thing, but when I was about, say, 16, a young man about my age came from Swaledale to work on a farm in our village. We used to laugh at his dialect. Now isn't that a funny thing? You wouldn't know now, I go, I go to Swaledale and you wouldn't recognise the difference, but it was so, and it's just going away. Well, as, just as they all, the whole the dialect going away. Having served as a Methodist minister in the South, he developed this soothing, crisp King's English. He regarded his native tongue as a separate language. I'm, I'm bilingual myself. I can talk uh, as everybody else talks. But if I was talking to a village chap, I could be as broad as he could. <laughs> His purpose then, as he wrote dialect verse and his parish history over five years, was to freeze the past. But we must understand his underlying motivation. There's the same sentimental feeling for the place. You know, you have sentimental feeling. I don't know whether you despise sentiment or not, but you have sentiment towards your family. And if you're a true Dalesman, you have sentiment towards the place where you were born. In the lecture, he was promoting what was then his newly published parish study, Under Weather Fell, as well as Trevor Sharp's new book, Song of Wensleydale. Song of Wensleydale was based on the interviews Mr Sharp and the Bradford Youth Service had gathered with local people in Galen Hawes, the interviews that we're bringing to light in this series. Rev James, as well as another old Dalesman, Kit Calvert, were fixers. They helped the Bradfordians meet local people. One of the characters Rev James introduced to Trevor for interview was his aunt, Lizzie Alderson. Before we hear longer clips of Rev James and Aunt Lizzie, it's time to bring my special guests in for this series, Rob and Val Ward, both born in Gale and today residents in Hawes. Rob had this to say about Rev James's book. And James Alderson, he was a nice fella, but one woman I knew in Gale... I said, I've just been reading Under Weather Fell. And she says, well, don't you believe all that because the sphere of that is either bed up or is in his head. She says, well, that's his vision. That isn't how it really was. Rob is not my only local source to warn me about the parish study. Outside the paper shop in Hawes, only the other day, I got talking to one of Rev James's relatives. The way he put it was that Rev James glossed our, glossed over, one or two things, perhaps sentiment, got in the way. Rob also had a great story about Rev James from a time in the 80s when this local historian, who by this time was a National Park volunteer, took issue with Rob for cutting down a mature sycamore tree by Gale Bridge, just over there, in the centre of the village. He crossed me once, Jason, when Val bought house at yon side of Gale Bridge, Near telephone box, there was a big, big, big sycamore tree in the garden. Well, there was no drains in that house, and this big sycamore tree was lifting flags in the house. Some of them was three or four inch high with its roots. And uh, we didn't know what to do about this tree, because it was to all light, leaves came out. And I said, to, <clears throat> Neil Banks, one weekend when there's nobody about, I said, well, let this tree down. 
And so one weekend, we decided to let into this tree and we got it nearly ready, so I put some cones across the road because it was a big one to stop traffic, which was hardly any in them days, but Hargreaves from Swathgill came down with his Land Rover and went right through cones and just as he went through cones, tree started falling and he just got out at Roadway's trailer when it fell right up towards Gale shop. And going back to James Alderson came and he, he really lost his temper with me, said I'd ruined part of Gale and this, that and other. And I tried to tell him what it was, no good was house with roots pushing all floors up, but he was really annoyed and his wife came across and she was annoyed. That story gives us an insight into Rev James. Now for the other archive voice, his aunt, Lizzie Alderson. Here's Val Ward with Rob. Well, I remember her through um, always through my childhood and she lived in in what was called the Garris and she always had all her family around her, being the matriarch of the family. Um, cats, she kept cats. And she, she was fond of animals and children and was always there as a mainstay in the village. I've walked the short distance over Gale Bridge, I've come up a snicket called Hargill and I've landed in the Garris. It's a square on the opposite side of the Beck to Beck Steens. It was here that in about 1979 Rev James brought Trevor Sharp and young person Sue James for their interview with Aunt Lizzie. Rev James mentioned it in his Grassington Festival lecture, where billiard players could be heard in the next room. Now my Aunt Liz was a baker of Gail Bannock. Trevor knows what Gail Bannock is because she baked him some Gail Bannock. But Trevor interviewed my Aunt Liz and the first bit's about a pig. She's, she lives in a cottage and I took her to the pensioners club this afternoon. We used to have this pig, said Liz. It was kept up in a sty and it got that big. The other pigs never used to get out, but this used to just jump over the door and lie stretched out on the doorstep and lie in the sun till it was roasted. And then when it got right hot, it used to get up and go down to the beck and roll in the beck and it cooled down and then it used to come back and lie in the sun again and sometimes I would say to the pig give us the paw and it would put up his foot and shake hands <laughs> and our dinner would be going up and down because he came under the table and so we had to put it out and when it had to be killed oh lord I cried my eyes out I went out for the day the butcher used to come and kill the pig and we set a boiler ready to have lots of boiling water and she said I couldn't bear to see it it was a petted one we never had one like it before and it weighed 37 stone <laughs> now that we've heard Aunt Lizzie's pig story in Reverend James's King's English let's hear it the way Aunt Lizzie herself told it we kept it up in a sty where we'd kept all the other pigs up in stable and but with uh, this door on you know and uh, it got that big what other pigs never used to get out 
and this used to jump over the door, come and lie stretched out on step, and lie in sun till it was roasted. And uh, then when it was right hot and got right hot, it used to just get up and stroll round corner there and down to back. And it used to roll in back and get cold down. Then it used to come back and lie in sun again. And uh, and sometimes I used to say to it, give us the paw. And it would put its foot up. It was a petted, you know. We used to talk away to it and put its foot up and shake hands. And uh, when we were having, were after we used to have our dinner at night when my husband came back from work, you know. And uh, we'd be sat having our dinner. Pig used to stroll in and, and get on the table and our dinner was going up and down. <laughs> it was such a big one. Dinner was going up and down <laughs> till we used to have to put it out. <laughs> and... Uh, and when it had to be killed, oh, Lord, I cried my eyes out. I went out for the day till they got all done. Uh, this uh, butcher used to come and kill this pig. And, well, I, we used to eat set boiler, you know. You'd have a lot of boiling water. And I used to get boiler hot, and then I went I went further up to some friends for Two or three hours still always done. I, I couldn't bear to say it. Go, you know. Mm -ee, I cried my eyes out. It was such a petted one. We'd never had one like it before. And it weighed nearly 37 stone when we killed it. We've got just enough time for one more story, this time about a dog. It illustrates that, once upon a time, even local animals could understand only dialect. Now, Will Pratt lived on a lonely farm and he had a couple of dogs and he was always training a dog. And Will Pratt had a dog for sale. And at the auction mart, a man came along and said he would buy it, and he did. Now, a week later, Will Pratt had to have the dog back. The dog knew two things. It knew Yorkshire dialect and it knew swear words. <laughs> now, the man that bought it didn't know Yorkshire dialect and he didn't know swear words. At least he didn't use, use any. So, Wilfred had to have the dog back. Next time on Voices from the Dales, we'll hear a bit more of Rev James and I'll be back in Gale to introduce the next main character, Taylor Dinsdale. Thank you for listening. <laughs>